Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we have a story about virtual reality, which is having a moment, and one about Tinder, which is not. Password enter. Almost two years ago, InputMag.com editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky thought that virtual reality was on its deathbed. Then something amazing happened. Joshua recently wrote about VR's revival in an essay called Virtual Reality is About to Have Its iPhone Moment. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. Nearly two years ago, I wrote that the promise and hope of virtual reality was withering on the vine. The space, once hotly touted as the next big thing in tech, had failed to produce a killer app, a killer piece of hardware, or any meaningful consumer excitement. Not for lack of trying. But then something pretty amazing happened. Oculus finally managed to synchronize all of its greatest hits into a simple, affordable, and powerful package called The Quest. Thanks for joining me, Josh. Happy to be here. So you wrote this piece in response to a New York Times article about VR. What was wrong with that story? I was uh, looking at Twitter, and I saw that this story had been written by a guy named Kevin Roos, who's a great writer, great reporter. And I went and read through it, and I was kind of stunned because the premise of the story, the focus of the story is kind of VR didn't happen, or how come VR hasn't happened, or, you know, there's nothing really compelling about VR right now. Like, why is it only for the nerds? What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? It was more than 100 years ago that Lewis Carroll wrote about Alice's trip through the looking glass. Now that fiction has become a reality or you might say a virtual reality. And early in the article, he kind of is like, well, I tried to get the two most popular VR headsets, but they were all sold out. And later on, I got sent this one called the Quest, but I didn't get a chance to test it. And it's like, wait a second. Literally, the things he couldn't get is the most popular, most sophisticated VR headset you can get right now, which is the Oculus Quest. And the set, the runner up, which is one of the most popular headsets in the world, the PlayStation VR headset, he, he couldn't test either one of them. So I was sort of like, this is weird because I actually feel like VR is having a moment right now with the Quest. Quest, and the article sort of ignores that completely. And so I just saw this this piece in the New York Times as an opportunity to, to do two things. One is to kind of debunk the premise of the article, which I which I found just kind of stupid, to be perfectly honest. But also, I think it's I think VR is having a moment, especially in this coronavirus moment that we're all living through. I think like we're looking for escape in all sorts of forms, and VR can really provide it. How is the Quest in particular changing the game? It's the first thing that I've seen where you buy a box. It's not that expensive. It's 400 bucks. It comes with a headset and two controllers. The headset is really sophisticated. It's pretty high res. The tracking is really good. The controllers are really good. They can kind of map almost your entire hand. And the software that now ships with it is very cohesive. It's got like a proper app store. There's a bunch of different things you can do. It's got like a VR browser and all these interesting things. And it just feels like you pick it up, you put it on, and suddenly like it's all working. That is something that up until this point had not really happened. I think there was a lot of kind of, you know, oh, put your smartphone into this thing or, hey, get a really big expensive PC and get this really complicated headset and plug up a cable into it. And it just was the kind of thing that most people weren't even going to try. And and the experience really wasn't that good even when you did. And it just feels like it's like the way that the iPhone was for the first time ever synthesized all of these things that a bunch of other smartphones had been trying to do. To me, it feels like the Quest kind of synthesizes all of these problem areas into something that that feels really cohesive and works. So is this the sort of thing that like your grandmother and grandfather are gonna be wearing? This is what virtual reality is. And I think it's amazing. I hadn't realized it had progressed to this state. And this sort of thing could be done. 
think it's incredible. And I could see it could be a terrific escape, I mean, for people like who are in hospital beds for a long time. I've had some of that, it drives you nuts, you know. Young people were like, of course, they're gonna love this, but people who are stuck in beds, and just to be able to do this would probably make them get better. I think when it's as simple as slipping on a pair of glasses, there's a really good chance that a lot more people are going to experience this. But I do think that there are gonna be a lot of situations, especially in the post-coronavirus world that we live in, as we are all thinking about, like less in-person social interaction and ways that we may be after this pandemic, I think there are going to be a lot of situations in the future where the virtual version of it, you know, whether it's entertainment or it's something much more basic, like having a conference call, that there are going to be some really great experiences that are going to become much more mainstream than what we have right now. You can follow Joshua on Twitter at Joshua Topolsky. Now on to today's second story. Ordinary human dating. It's enjoyable and it serves an important purpose. Given the coronavirus outbreak, online dating is now more difficult than ever. In an effort to help out users, Tinder changed its rules in April. But those tweaks turned the dating app into a spam-filled nightmare. News writer Ian Cervantes recently reported from the front lines of online dating for InputMag.com. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. The problem is that, in my experience, the people in my Tinder feed aren't looking for the comfort of a conversation during this time. They're largely looking to self-promote, or worse, to scam. In 30 consecutive swipes, I came across eight profiles directing users to Snapchat with captions like, small or big D, don't matter. Six users who had nothing but their Instagram account in their bio, and one more profile that led to an Instagram account that was clearly a horny spam bot. All of these but five accounts were swiping in from somewhere else in the world. Thanks so much for joining me, Ian. Thanks for having me. You're a single guy in New York City. What's online dating like in the age of social distancing? It's pretty grim. I started out in the beginning kind of doing things business as usual because I didn't expect it to last this long. So I kind of maintained my normal regimen, I guess, of of talking to new people. But then kind of as it went on, a combination of Tinder being terrible and, and having all these spam and promotional profiles come in and then also just not having a clear idea of, of when we could go out again, I kind of tapered off. Today I'm going to be trying to find myself a quarantine boyfriend, because have I got anything better to do? Absolutely not! Roses are red, coronas are flu, I'd quite like to self-isolate with you. Your piece focuses on how Tinder's passport feature, which allows users to swipe in from other cities across the country, is a huge mess. What can you tell me about this? Well, yeah, it's it's terrible. All the dating apps kind of unveiled something different for these times. On the surface, like it seems like a good idea. Like, hey, you know, here's a way for you to meet new people. The problem is that it's basically just been taken over by bad actors. Half of the swipes that I went through were, were spam or promotion, and then out of the remaining 15 who were like normal people only three of them actually lived in new york city and i didn't want to match with any of them so it kind of just seemed pointless like you know 30 swipes is is a non-trivial amount so if that's what i got to go through to to find something it doesn't really seem worth the effort especially when we can't even go out anytime soon so what do you actually do for dates now is it all about sexting (laughs) it's not all about sexting Apart from that, there are some people who 
I was talking to at the very beginning of things, so I've kind of kept those conversations going, but I'm not really meeting any new people. Since writing this piece, you say that Passport is no longer free. So how have things on Tinder changed? It's pretty much been the same. You know, I kind of pop in there to see if it's gotten better and it's still just as bad. So I really am not spending any time on the app. Given the state of the world today, do you think online dating is going to get normal anytime soon? As soon as things are safe, like I would love to go on dates again. And I think it may be even longer before that involves like a bar or a restaurant or anything like that. But, you know, I would, would definitely be eager to, to go on a walk or something like that. And that is something I've done with uh, one woman that I've met, which has been nice. So I think it's going to take a while, but I think people will kind of ease into it the same way they will with everything else. You can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore Cervantes, and I'm at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of tech and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on whichever podcast app you use. Thank you for listening.